Hello, this is Dan Capril, and I want to thank you for listening in again on another episode of Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Each week, I will cover a different area of personal finance, much of it driven by my interactions with clients, with listeners, and to a certain extent, stuff that I do here on the news. Although, one of the things that I emphasize a great deal is how you can overvalue what you hear on the news, largely because the news is only valuable in investing if you get it before anyone else gets it. Otherwise, the markets have already reacted to it, so everything we know is already factored into the price. So on that note, we're going to talk about today the subject of a stock market crash. And I will get the question all the time about when I think the next market crash or correction is going to come. And the first thing I want to point out is the word correction is incorrectly used. Because in order for there to be a correction, there has to be a mistake. Mistakes get corrected. When you tell me that the stock market has corrected, then what you're telling me is that the prior price was inaccurate. However, every single time, every time, the equity markets have fallen rapidly in what the media loves to call a crash every single time. There has been a news event to drive it, an unexpected news event, which means had the unexpected news event not occurred, the stock prices would have stayed the same. Hence, there would have been no correction. Look, as long as we're all dealing with free flow of information here, then something is worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. And if that's true in real estate, why shouldn't it be true in equities? Well, it is true in equities. So let's be a little bit careful about this. All right, the next point is, all right, fine, because sometimes people think I'm getting on my rhetorical high horse. All right, fine, it's not a correction. When do you think the next time it's going to go down? The answer? I have no idea. No one does. I mean, we could sit here and speculate if you want to. Eventually, I guess if you get enough people to throw a date out, someone's going to be right. Is it going to make them experts? Of course not. Yeah, I, I use the analogy often about imagine for a second if you could fill up a football stadium. I was just at one in Tampa, Florida, not that long ago. I was uh, visiting with my dad who lives in Houston. And so we met in Tampa because the New York football giants were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as a native Long Islander, I like the Giants. I like the Bengals the most, but the Giants are like kind of like my boyhood team. So anyway, so we were meeting down there. And the beautiful stadium, by the way, Raymond James Stadium, I believe they had a Super Bowl there. Well-deserved. And I really enjoyed the fans. I've been to a few NFL games over the years where it really left a bitter impression in my mind. But the fans at this one were really good. And um, they love their team. And there were a lot of Giant fans in the audience, too. Giants lost a heartbreaker. Very good game, though. Very exciting game. Anyway, imagine if for a second, though, we filled that stadium with people like we did. But instead of having them watch a game, I gave everybody in the in the stands a quarter. And then I had them all stand up like they do for the national anthem. Everybody stand up. And when I say go, I want you to flip a coin. And if it's heads, I want you to stay standing. If it's tails, I want you to sit down. Now, say we do that. And you know that roughly probably half the audience is going to sit down because they got tails. And we do it again. And we do it again, and we do it again. Now, 
Raymond James Stadium probably holds 75, 80,000 people, I would think. So it is not illogical for one second to believe that there will be somebody in that crowd who's going to flip heads each and every year. Now, does that make this person an expert coin flipper? No, of course not. It's the way randomness works. It's the way the law of large numbers works, which essentially says if you have enough attempts at trying to do something, you're going to get success regardless of skill level. So if you, for example, if you're a lousy golfer, but if you play golf enough times, you probably will get a hole in one at some point. I mean, it's just kind of the way it goes. Or, or fishing. I take people fly fishing a lot for the first time, and I know that you know as long as they keep the fly in the water, they're probably going to catch something that day. They may not catch a lot. They may not catch the really big ones. But you know, if you do it long enough, it's going to be the case. And that's exactly what we see when it comes to people guessing the stock market correctly. There are prognosticators who do nothing all day long but either say the market's going to go up or the market is going to go down. Eventually, they're right. But that doesn't make them experts. That's just the fact that the market can only move in one or two directions. Now, if you could tell me the exact day of the decline, the news event that will drive it, and the amount by which we will see a decline, well, now you are valuable. Now you bring something to the table. But nobody can do that. So is it likely that there's going to be some bad news at some point that's going to move markets down? Sure. Of course it's likely. By the same token, is it likely that we'll go through a period of good news or a long enough absence of bad news to where markets will go up? Sure. In fact, that's the norm. But if you're going to sit around and stress over the next market crash, well, in my opinion, you're not doing yourself any good at all. Now, I will never tell somebody to invest in a way they cannot tolerate. So I'm speaking purely here to logic. Now, unfortunately, I have met people over the years who don't like logic. They just want to argue it anyway. All right, I understand. God did not make us as logic-based beings. He made us as emotional-based beings. But logic usually does win at the end of the day. In every time where we've had periods where markets have declined, I will usually ask my clients the question, look, you're in 15,000 holdings globally. How likely do you think they would go to zero? Of course, the answer is, well, not likely at all. Heck, even in nuclear war, they probably wouldn't all go down to zero. You're right. So we have to kind of separate that emotion. All right, so what happens when markets go down? Look, no one gets excited about markets going down. Well, first of all, we should have an understanding statistically as to what our worst year will be. Now, you can't have it exactly, but stats are pretty good. And one of the things that we talk to our clients about is understanding your range of likely returns. You know, what's the range of returns you're likely to get in any one year with a 5% margin of error? You should know that. If you don't know that, I'm afraid you're, you're kind of just winging it. And winging it is not the way to go. When markets go down, the strategy, in my opinion, is not to pull money out of the market, but to put money in the market. Because the whole idea here is we buy low and sell high. All right, so in working with clients, that's what rebalancing does for us. Every portfolio that we work with a client has targeted percentages for every major asset class. 
And when we leave those targeted percentages, we rebalance. So if there's going to be a big decline in equity values, guess what? We will probably be moving some money out of fixed income to buy more equities and keep you at those targeted percentages. This is after it happens, of course. We are not going to speculate. Study after study shows most people make their mistakes not by being in markets when they go down, but by being out of markets when they go up. Obviously, it's because markets come back up. You can't get in at that old price any longer. So it's normal to worry. It's normal to think in extremes sometimes. Markets either going to take off, markets going to crash. Look, you're never going to know. But if you have a portfolio that's properly built, you're always going to have part of your money taking advantage of markets going up. And you're always going to have part of your portfolio positioned so that when markets go down, you're not burned as much. Now, if you've never had this type of analysis done for you, where you can get a clear understanding about your situation and about the volatility of your portfolio, you need to have that done. If you're working with somebody, somebody that you like very much, hold them to task. Say, listen, I want a statistical analysis that shows me my likely range of returns in any given year. Now, just keep this in mind, though. If you're working with a portfolio manager who likes to make a lot of changes to your portfolio, he's never really going to be able to answer that question for you because he's not going to know what your portfolio looks like at a given time. So you have to keep that in mind as well. So I just want to leave you with is that you all know that markets don't move in a linear fashion. We all know that. And yet, when it comes time to accept that reality, a lot of people panic. And when you panic, that's when you get hurt. And I don't want you to get hurt. Never dismiss the psychological aspects that are required to be a successful investor. And if you don't possess those, then you need to work with somebody who can help you obtain them and strengthen them because that ability is there in you. If you'd like to learn more about this approach, our retirement rescue approach that we do with clients in that area, reach out to us. Number of ways, you can go to our website, matsonandcapril.com. If you have never ordered it, order your retirement rescue toolkit. Get a copy of all that great material that we have in there. Always feel free to email me. Uh, if you go to that website, there's a, there's a button you can click on it to submit any questions you want to me. Or uh, you can give my office a call, which is the best way. Call me, 513-563-7526. I get frustrated sometimes. It's like we've gotten away from talking to each other. Everybody wants a text. Everybody wants an email. Pick up the phone. Let's talk it over. If we've never met, I promise you, we'll get along just fabulously. At least I hope so. All right. So, again, matsonandcapril.com, 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. I'm Dan Capril. Thank you for listening to Solving the Financial Puzzle. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. 
Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of MPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.